0: The SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. everyone, and welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. We are your hosts, Emerson Beery and Justin Bruni. How you doing today, my friend?
1: Doing very well. Doing very well. Happy Sunday. We don't have football back yet, but, you know, we're waking up early. We're getting ready to talk some ball, you know, practically our religion at this point, no?
0: Uh, yes, only us talks about this every week, almost daily, all off-season long, and we are still months away from the start of the season. But actually, you know, it's right around the corner, less than three months away. So, And, you know, training camp next month preseason mm-hmm. football right after that. So lots of news to be talking about very shortly. But today we are talking about the most polarizing position in fantasy football. That is the tight end position, the one that everyone hates. So you know, this is a uh this is that that fantasy diehards podcast because that tight end is not the sexy position. You know, what do you you know I, I we have our rankings are you know the top six is fairly consensus except you leave one kind of right out of there and we, we'll get into that. Mm. But, uh, you know, lots of change up at the end there. It's uh, some big differences. So, you know, you expect some uh, you think, well, fi- is this the finally going to be the year that we see the tight end landscape change a little bit? Or are we going to see a, a few more contributors at the position, you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and every year we always do. I mean, you see guys that don't do don't do anything for many, many weeks but still make it into the top 10 rankings for the tight end position. That's just how volatile it is. And I think as we see, you know, the Lord and Savior Travis Kelsey of the tight end position start to get a little bit older and older, you're going to see uh, you know, a new group, you know, rise or, you know, cream rise to the top. <laughs>
0: Yeah. You know, every year we talk ourselves into this is going to be the year of the tight end. Finally, it's going to change. You know, I expect it to be more of the same myself. So then that's why Mm -hmm. we have some some guys who, yeah, we were surprised to see guys in the top 12 in both of our rankings. We were like, man, you have that guy in the top 12 or, you know, we were both saying that to each other. So should be some very interesting uh, takeaways. However, with the first one here, it is Kyle Pitts at number one and. That is the consensus pick here. Why, you know, I have, there's a lot of people starting to panic on Kyle Pitts now, especially with the addition of Bijan Robinson. What are your thoughts? Why do you still have Mets, the tight end one event in Dynasty fantasy football?
1: Well, he's 22 years old. I mean, and he had a fantastic rookie season. I think that we still would have saw a more productive year two out of him had he not been injured. Obviously, Marcus Mariota in year two was a downgrade for him. Um, I think that Desmond Ritter is gonna come back and he's gonna be able to give him, you know, some pulse, give him some life to his game. He was someone who was um just constantly missed downfield and he is someone that's used not at a low a dot but at a higher a dot because of his side his speed and his skill he's been considered a wide receiver hybrid and again he's 22 years old like you're looking at Travis Kelsey who's 33 Kyle Pitts could be the next dominator at this position he had 68 receptions as a rookie he finished this you know tight end six like there's really not that much to dislike from his rookie season Obviously, like I said, he did get hurt last year, but I think Bijan just you know rises the levels in Atlanta a little bit. He's he's going to help them have a safer floor because this team's going to have a reliable pulse on the ground. You add Pitts in with Drake London and Bijan, I just think you have a very good group going here, and I think that that should make you actually feel better about Kyle Pitts because the offense is getting better, the team's getting a little bit better, he's going into year three, and his next you know three- to four-year window appears to be very, very strong.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thought because you know a lot of the speculation. You know, you see Drake London as a top, tw- you know, twenty-ish, top twenty-five wide receiver. You know, just in redraft leagues, even obviously in Dynasty, he's even higher than that. But Kyle Pitts still ranked as the top six tight end in redraft leagues, and uh, Bijan Robinson on Underdog Fantasy Football, for example, is the RB two. So a lot of people are questioning how can all these players succeed? How can how can all those players hit on those outcomes? And that would be the answer: is the offense gets a lot better as a whole there's a lot more snaps. There's a lot more scoring opportunities. So I could certainly see that, you know, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't love the addition of B. John Robinson for Kyle Pitts this season. I think that certainly, Oh, let me turn off that little clicker at us. It's going to keep doing it. <laughs> um, but it's like I said, I think once again, I still have him as my tight end one for dynasty, but I still think it might be one more season until we see maybe an improved quarterback out back there that we see that, that Kyle Pitts season that we were waiting for, that tight end one season. So I'm a, the B. John Robinson. I, I'll say it doesn't, it's not great just because our, I mean, Arthur Smith can't run the ball that much more than he did last year. And I'm kind of talking myself through this right now, but uh, mm. it will be interesting to see. Like I said, maybe just one more year on Kyle Pitts, but B. John Robinson is somebody I'm firing up right out of the gate. Next up is Mark Andrews he is also my tight end too. And I, you know, it's purely because of age and what we've seen, you know, obviously last year was a bit disappointing, you know, do you, how do you see him, you know, develop, you know, the chemistry with Lamar Jackson, how do you see that factoring in with now with Odell Beckham Jr. Zay flowers and Rashad Bateman back there. Do you see him still being the, the top target in this offense?
1: The top target in this offense. So that played in with his age and his past production lands. Mark Andrews at my number two spot as well. Uh, He has the strongest connection with the quarterback. He is the best pass catcher on the team. Uh, Again, this is a situation where I feel like the other talent around him is actually going to help him. So adding Zay Flowers, adding Odell Beckham Jr., you're not going to be able to put as much priority on Mark Andrews in the middle of the field and also when he's breaking down the seam. This is a guy that, you know, catches passes everywhere, low, high, a dot. And he's just a human vacuum. He just secures everything. He has a huge wingspan and catch radius. Like it's very hard to miss him even Lamar Jackson, it's, it's very hard to miss him, especially in the end, in the end zone. So I I'm all about Mark Andrews. He's 27 in comparison, about six years younger than Travis Kelsey, you know, Kelsey may very well outproduce him maybe this next season. But I think that again, if you're investing this early in the tight end position, you're going to need age and you need a reliable window because it's a very volatile position as we've already discussed.
0: And, And that volatility is why I usually, I don't, you know, I have him as my tight end, too, but I do not take him at ADP usually. Um, it's usually somewhere around round three or so in a super flex draft. And that is just that's just too high. I'd rather go for a wide receiver or another quarterback or something like that. At that point, in draft. we just see market, you know, even he was going really high in startups last season. And we saw at him kind of that production plummet after those first five weeks when he wasn't getting double digit targets. The offense kind of fell apart a little bit with mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson at the top. There just wasn't getting it done. As a passer at the time, but you know, who could maybe who can blame him? You know what I mean? Who with who he had at wide receiver after Rashad Bateman went out. So hopefully the offense is improved this season. But I think that's what you'll have to see is Lamar Jackson to take a step forward as a passer for Mark Andrews to be that significant, consistent difference maker like closer. Maybe he's never going to be Travis Kelsey, but closer to that tier because he's right now I have him a lot closer to. Well, at least especially in redraft leagues, I mean, he's mm-hmm. much closer to the pack than Travis Kelsey. You know what I mean? It's it's a yeah, very,
1: absolutely. But he also fits the the uh, strong mold of winning now, uh, mm-hmm. age and window for the next you know three to four seasons potentially, and then just overall skill and pass production. I, I think it's a perfect storm to get him into this top three.
0: Yeah, you know what? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the conversation that we had with George Kittle a few seasons ago. You know, just the mm-hmm. same things we said. Oh, man, you know, this this guy, you know, coming off a 1,300-yard season, you know, young, you know what I mean, contender, you know what I mean. It, it kind of felt like he was a, a player for a rebuilder or a contender because, you know, he's going right. to be around for a long time. So that's always my cautious story. But before we dive into our tight end three, I just want to give a shout out to our friends over at Edge Boost. This episode is supported by Edge EdgeBoost Edge Boost is the world's first bet-now, pay-later Visa card. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in betting advances, which can be an extremely valuable tool. Imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll, get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankrolls for months. Double down on a favorite bet you like or even use to create an awesome middle or even hedge. <laughs> Edge Boost isn't some sleazy loan shark either as they charge... Zero interest. Do you know of a way you can access more money to place on your favorite best without paying any interest? It's hard to find that without Edge Boost. Edge Boost can also be a part of a responsible gambling plan. as You can set up daily, weekly, monthly limits across all your betting accounts in one place. Support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com edge to sign up. So that's sportsgamblingpodcast.com edge. Must be 21 years or older to use. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, diving into our tight end three here. That is TJ Hawkinson. I I have my I'm riding Travis Kelsey in a couple of years of production, but you have you you have him back at five. So that drove up TJ mm-hmm. Hawkinson to number three in our rankings here. And I can't I can't fault you too much for it. I mean, he really did seize a strong target share in Minnesota last year. The offense is going to be projected to be one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the league. You could definitely see a path where hawkinson can get 110 120 targets you know it doesn't require that monster of a target share to even do that so tj hawkinson has that age attract just one of those guys once again who it's just it's a little tough for me to buy in all with with a lot of these young tight ends it's just such an inconsistent position it's a it's a matter of more like i just don't usually take him at adp and dynasty startups but why do you like mm-hmm. him so much
1: well, I, I think it's very hard not to trust him with the transition to Minnesota. This team throws the ball a lot more than the Lions. We already saw him getting a huge target share when he arrived, when they had Adam Thielen there. Obviously, he's gone, and now they're bringing in um, you know another rookie in Jordan Addison, but I have to imagine that he's going to be second on the totem pole here to Justin Jefferson. We also just saw Dalvin Cook get uh, get released, lose a little bit, de- little bit of depth at the running game. I just feel like he's going to have a very heavy involved involvement in this offense. And it, to me, it just doesn't feel like a, like a tough bet to make, you know, that he can get 110, 120 plus targets. I just feel a lot of like safety, I, I suppose, in in this ranking, putting it, putting at three, as I've said before, you can go late or great at tight end. I prefer typically to go late. So I'm not really drafting a lot of these guys at this ADP unless they're really starting to fall. But again, hitting that perfect storm of the age, the potential production and role in the offense. TJ Hawkinson just is blemishing with all here. It's very hard to stay off of him. you know, after these two top guys and Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews. uh, He's certainly someone that I'm just overly banging the drum for this upcoming season and say like best ball formats. But again, at the age of 25, you know, his size and his frame at, you know, 6'5", about 250, like he's going to get used a lot in this offense. Again, kind of calling back to the Dalvin Cook release, Gonna need another target in that red zone, another big body target. I'm liking what he can potentially do this year. I would go as far to say as double digit receiving touchdowns as well.
0: You know that would be the yeah, that would be what the difference because he has not been a kind of touchdown, really a red zone threat at this point in his career. Not to say that he hasn't done it. You mm-hmm. know, the Lions a different offense mm-hmm. now, but you know that yeah. that'll be what will unlock T.J. Hawkinson's.
1: But even look team. at what the Lions were doing early last year. They just overly fed Jamal Williams in the red zone. They had a little bit more of a priority to the run game. Kevin O'Connell, he's going to be on, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum, right? He's going to be passing the ball a lot more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think that that'll be the difference, and that'll be what makes T.J. Hawkinson just kind of one of these other guys at the in the top six tight ends, top five tight end, or, you know, kind of getting up there and having a truly difference-making season. So, We'll see what happens here. I expect TJ Hawkinson to get fed plenty though in 2023 Mm -hmm. up next at number four in these dynasty tight end rankings is the man, Travis Kelsey himself. And, you know, obviously no one's going to argue. I think with having him as the tight end one in redraft leagues in 2023, it's just how much longer do you expect him to keep going? And, you know, what's your value on these next season or two? So, you know, as a player, Mm You know, if you are a rebuilding team, you know maybe Travis Kelsey is not a great piece, but I still think. I mean, my goodness, even if we get a drop off, and you know he's still the best tight end. Even if we we can get, we can he can have a considerable drop off productions and still be the best tight end. You know, how many years do you think he can keep this up though? You know, I'm expecting two or three more good seasons. Mm-hmm.
1: So that for me, I have Kelsey at five, and that's because the four players that I have ahead of him, the four <clears throat> the four tight ends that I have ahead, they all have stronger three to four year windows. Where, yes, Kelsey could be in the league at 36 in three years, but I just don't know if I want to invest early ADP and tight end stock in someone that I'm going to be letting go of in exactly three years. Like, that's, I feel like his ceiling, you know, at, at 36. I have Dallas Goddard one spot ahead of him. He's about five years younger. So he has five years just to get even to Kelsey's age. And I'm not saying he's going to be the next Travis Kelsey, but. Again, when I'm investing very early in the tight end position, I need a strong return on year's plate. Like I just need that three to four year window for this early ADP because you're going to be comparing, you know, that pick with say a, a receiver that could play for another eight to nine seasons. You know, if you're going to invest early and divulge away from the other skill positions, it has to be for good reason. If you want to win, build a win now team, Travis Kelsey is the answer by all, by all means, like, but, Go ahead and target him if you've drafted guys like, you know, Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara ahead of him if you just want to go all in on the, uh, the buy, you know, buy a championship now type of approach. But, you know, I just can't, I can't make the commitment early. There's nothing against Kelsey or his skill or his potential production. But for me, it's two years. It's this year. It's next year. That's the last of his, you know, potential elite production.
0: You know like I said, I just see like what what like what's our definition of elite production? Because if we're comparing him to the rest of the tight ends, he can come down a long, long way and still give elite production. So you know, my question, like I guess, with Patrick Mahomes, is he going to be having you know, mm. if this was in a different scenario, if he what they were not winning, you know, you could expect maybe Travis Kelsey to be like, you know, I made all my money, you know, what's the point? Is is Patrick Mahomes going to give him the juice to have a Tony Gonzalez s career where he's playing for? five years from now. So we'll, we'll see, you know, you never know what's going to happen. That Travis Kelsey retirement talk is certainly going to get some steam going. I'm sure in the next in two years from now, I'm sure it'll just be regular speculation by the off season. How long as a, as a
1: chiefs fan, if you see him winning another super bowl in the next year or two, is that enough?
0: I mean, cause, is, it, is, cause
1: I, cause typically that's what I see is just like, Oh, we want another ship. We did it again. Why do I need to keep yeah. doing this?
0: You know, a lot of people, though, a lot, for a lot of teams, it's like we hit it, man. We've we reached the mountaintop, you know, like that, That you know, because they're almost not expecting to do it again. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, you know, it was so hard. They spent all their career doing this. With, Like I said, with Patrick Mahomes, though, it's just like, man, we can keep stacking these babies. You know what I mean? Like so that maybe that's the different attitude. Maybe that's what keeps them going, because some people you're right. It's like, well, hey, we got another one. I'm ready to ride mm-hmm. off into the sunset. But, you know, we'll see how much. Travis Kelsey wants to win here, you know, and he and, hasn't gotten injured to his credit either.
1: And I'm not like trying to go like overly into the tea leaves, but you know, him and his brother have a very successful podcast. It feels like his brother's probably going to retire after this season. It feels like this is going to be his, you know, ride out into the sun. I know that, um, you know, uh, Jason Kelsey and the Eagles they want to take, the, you know, one more shot for sure. You know, at making the Super Bowl, I think with with that offensive line. So, you know, I I, I could see some other coals in the fire. You know, that could potentially just say, hey. You know I got some other things that are gonna be going for me here. We just want another back to back Super Bowls. Maybe, maybe he uh he calls it.
0: It'll be t- it'd be tough to leave Patrick Mahomes for the Kelsey podcast, but it is funny. I do I do enjoy it. I do it's enjoy it. Like the it. number
1: one football that, podcast, like in America.
0: That is a great lead in, actually, because we're gonna talk about Jason Kelsey's teammate next. That is Dallas Goddard.
1: Nice who
0: is uh, hopefully going to be healthy this season. You know, you look at Dallas, Scott, and I actually didn't write it down, so I'm going to pull it up here really quick. You know, he's been, you know, we've known about the talent for years now, and he's Mm -hmm. had a relatively high ADP these last few. I know it's only been a year and a half since he took over the show from Zach Ertz. And, of course, sleepers being hard to load here. But he's never gotten, he's never paid off yet. You know, we're looking at the finishes here. Well, I mean, it depends on tight end 11 him, tight end
1: 12. Tight, his last yeah, two I mean, season, tight end 21,
0: tight end 10, tight end 21, tight end 11, tight end 12. Mm. I mean, some years he was going below that, but he's just never, shoot, you know, whether it be injuries, whether it be playing time, yep, volume concerns, something's always been there for him. And I mean, there's certainly risk here. If A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are both going to be wide receiver one, ones in a run heavy offense, mm. that's, that's tough for Dallas Goddard. You know, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I just like the situation at, at 28, being in an offense that scored the second most points last year, a team that's going to be in the scoring zone. I can I can convince myself that Goddard has a good or at least a, a potentially healthy exposure to double digit touchdowns. He already has a reliable role in the passing game. They're going to use him. And he did get hurt last year. And, and it, it, to me, it still felt like he was the second priority uh, behind A.J. Brown. And then after he was hurt, we saw uh, some emergence of Devontae Smith. We saw him become even more reliable. So when Goddard got back for the playoffs, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, we're going to toss you in, but you know, while you've been out, Devontae Smith, he's been buzzing. So we're we're going to make sure that we keep uh, keep feeding him. You may see some maybe some down production in the short term because they've added DeAndre Swift. They have a deep running room. You know, they're Jalen Hurts is leading the league in direct QB runs. I get it. But I just have to imagine that because they are going to be scoring so many points, they're going to be in the red zone, in the scoring zone. So often I can convince myself again, if I am committing to a early tight end, I can get in on Dallas Goddard as top five. I have him at four. I will take him over Kelsey again because I can see him having a stronger three to four year window. Again, if you want to win now, I have no problem going Kelsey. You can take Kelsey all the way up to two if you want off the board in your dynasty uh, dynasty startups. I don't recommend it. I'm not going to invest that early stock in a tight end. I don't know is going to be rostered two years down the road. Can't do it.
0: You know, it's I've always, you know, I've had that mindset for a long time. But you know, over the years, I found it's just like at some point, you know, how much in the future are you valuing? Like maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, as I mean, it depends on how long Travis Kelsey goes. And you know, could he retire in the next two or three seasons? You know, because Rob Garkowski retired at 30. You know, so Mm -hmm. it certainly could happen. But, I mean, it's literally, I think, going to take Travis Kelsey retiring for Dallas Goddard to hit, like, t- touch his production in the next, four you know, three or four years. You know what I mean? It's, that's what it'll take because it's – Travis Kelsey is just so much better than Dallas Goddard it, like, right today that it's just – it's it's hard for me to jump on board. You know, obviously, if you're in a complete rebuild, like, you know, this comes into the part where in a dice draft where, if, you know, if I'm going to rebuild, I'm just going to avoid both. Cause I, you know, mm-hmm. I just avoid the tight end position in general, but you know, we have to early these tight guys.
1: end. I, I don't, I do not recommend end, yeah. it in, in your startups. I, I I just don't like their ADP, especially if you're in a super flex league. Now, if you're playing in, I, I've given this example to you before, if you're playing in a 10 team league, I don't, by all means, go ahead, take the risk. You're going to be able to make up the value. That's the only share that I have of Travis Kelsey in dynasty is in a 10 team league. And if I told you the roster, you'd, you'd say, that's that's a win now roster, Justin. Very good job. But in three to four years, this team won't be as good as you think it is. And you, it's okay to go either direction. But in dynasty, the the core of value is based on youth and longevity, right? That's what we're talking about. And I don't want to, I don't want to try to like, you know, divert from like a redraft to a dynasty conversation. But Travis Kelsey, yes, is a dominator and should be valued well ahead of these guys in the short term of this season. But Dynasty isn't just this year. You're looking at the you know potential outcomes, right? The high range of outcomes, low range of outcomes. Tra- uh, D- uh, Dallas Goddard, excuse me, his high range of outcomes would be potentially being a top five tight end for the next three to four seasons. Travis Kelsey, to me, two to three, and threes are each.
0: You know, just just quick thoughts on this trade I made actually in a dynasty league. Let me check it out. So I sent, I sent Marquise Brown. And Quentin Johnston for Travis Kelsey, and you know, you know, I'm a contender ready to win.
1: That's awesome. But I'm I'm assuming that you didn't need that youth.
0: Yeah, I have plenty of wide receivers. i have stacked young, young so, wide receiver talent on the whole team.
1: Yeah, it so works so strong. there you so there you go, and that, and that's that's another point to be made here about not attacking early tight end you're going to be able to make up for it like this, like by by swapping out skill position players that other uh, owners are high on other members in your league are going to be a little bit more, you know, attracted to I, I wouldn't do that trade. I wouldn't give up Travis Kelsey in that situation, unless I was really needing that rebuild.
0: Like, yeah, so I, I had to jump on that as a contender, even if it is just for two more seasons. But before we dive into our tight end six here, I just want to tell you about our friends over at underdog fantasy, which is, if you if you listened to me and Justin before, you know we absolutely love Underdog Fantasy. And uh, Best Ball Mania 4 is here, which is their biggest contest ever. It's giving away $15 million in plies, prizes, plus plenty of ways to win NBA, NHL, and MLB with their player prop parlays. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And of course, Justin, as you know, I've been doing a lot of underdog drafts because the puppy is out. I love, I love my five dollar drafts, Justin. Ow, I love them. How,
1: how, how, how,
0: how. I'm not a ball. You know, Justin over here does tons and tons of these best ball mania drafts at twenty five dollars a pop.
1: Yeah. I, cue the cue the DMX dog I'll, bark. I'll
0: be sleeping on the streets if I keep doing those. So
1: <laughs> I, I might be too, at least until uh, February. <laughs>
0: It's a lot of money to lock up for that log, but I'm hoping one of these days it pays off. we'll see i i i you know what I did really well in last year was the uh the resurrection drafts i went, no or no, I'm sorry the playoff the n f l playoff drafts is where I killed it uh you know mm-hmm. just the playoff challenges and stuff, so hopefully make a little bankroll again this season but
1: I've done i think a hundred percent more than I did last year two hundred percent i don't know a thousand percent I did seven last year I've done like seventy five now so God. However, that math works.
0: At, you got a long Believing to go in myself, Max.
1: Emerson. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm investing in myself. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I mean, you know, 401ks be damned. This is this is the real investment strategies right here that we talk about on this show.
1: Yeah, there's there's just uh, no way to break out of you know not having generational wealth until you just get generational wealth. So I wasn't a football player. I'm trying to make my mark. <laughs> Oh,
0: and you can find that generational wealth on underdog fantasy. And then, and hopefully, you know, after the government takes half of it, there's still plenty of it left.
1: (laughs) No, I'm going to give it all away as gifts.
0: Hey, there you go. There you go. Um, Next up in these rankings is George Kittle and you have him significantly even lower than this. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's a polarizing player. You know, a lot of people, I was just listening to my buddies over at player profiler and, uh, I forget which podcast I was actually listening to, but they were selling me on a you know, bounce-back season for George Kittle. He's had developed some chemistry with Brock Purdy at the uh, end of last season. Why do you have him so low?
1: It's really just his production last year was held up by such a strong finish. Do you know that in was it, three out of his last four games, he had multiple touchdowns? I mean, he finished as tight end three and four his last two seasons. But again, I just feel like it's – halted up by production that I don't feel is sustainable he's also 29 years old he's used as a blocker uh, pretty heavily in that offense and he's had issues staying on the field he's had health issues so I have him I think at uh do I have him at seven or six
0: you have him at, I
1: think I have him at six
0: um, or no I have him at seven no you have you have him at like seven or eight I thought
1: no, yeah, I have I have him at eight. Sorry. I'm getting yeah, our I thought that. Uh, consen- I remember thinking yeah, I'm still so low. I'm getting our consensus list and, and my list mixed up. So let me get back to my list. So I have players like David Njoku and Dolcich ahead of him. Again, this is just going into the potential three to four year window. I like Dolchich a little bit more, uh, with Sean Payton coming over. We've seen him uh, get unique production out of the, the tight end position. We've seen young guys flourish with him. Jimmy Graham, the the gadget knife, Swiss Army knife that is Taysom Hill. Um, we'll get to him in, here in a little bit in, in our discussion. But with Kittle, again, I just don't feel as safe or uh, as confident in his three- to four-year window. Um, pile on the potential injuries. Pile on just the, the production that's been holding up his value that I don't feel is su- sustainable. And then again, just a team that's going to run the ball a lot. Yeah, he did uh, seem to v- develop a rapport with Brock Purdy, and I think you and I both believe that he's going to be at least their short-term quarterback here for the next season or two. But again, like Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, Brock Purdy, this situation I don't think is just settled, right? I think that we, we are taking what the 49ers are giving us at face value, that Brock Purdy is going to be the guy. But are they being 100% forthcoming with his injury updates? I'm not sure. I feel like everybody, including Brock, are, they're all just kind of saying the right things. And right now, you know, at this point in June, Man, maybe I have him down at eight. Maybe I I move him up a couple of spots as we get closer to week one. And I feel a little bit more confident with how this season may look. But to me, I just don't feel, again, the the production is is sustainable. I can see Debo Samuel uh, uh, coming back around. I could see Brandon Ayuk taking a step forward. You have CMC there that's going to vacuum up so many touches. We saw the 49ers even giving some love to Elijah Mitchell. This offense feels like it's going to be spreading the ball around a bit. All of these factors combined, I just have you know Kittle valued a bit lower than the market, I feel.
0: I mean, this falls in line with where I have him pretty much. I have him as my tight end five. I have him ahead of Dallas Goddard. However, yeah, Ooh. once again, a guy that I don't take at ADP because of everything you said though. You know, I have we we differed our rankings a little bit, but I feel like we'd probably take him in a similar spot in our drafts because yeah. I mean, this is—he's not very far removed. He's always going to have those injury issues. He's always going to miss a few games at least a season. He's going to be blocking a little bit more than we'd like. It's—it's it's a lot. It's a lot to he's, ask Brock. Purdy he's to a also big all these
1: physical player too. He wants to block like he like he wants that. He's—he's he's a big team guy, you know. So he's not afraid to get in the trenches with the offensive line and get nasty. And unfortunately, like you know, like that's great for, for football, but you know, I'd prefer you to take the Dalton Schultz approach, brother. You know, I I just prefer to you to try to be a wide receiver.
0: Yeah. And uh, and that's not what he does. So it's just, and he's never been a consistent red zone threat, even despite that strong finish of touchdowns that he had, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. maybe that maybe changes with a little bit with Brock Purdy, but yeah, it's not, he's not somebody I target in my dynasty drafts, just because he always goes Mm -hmm. far too early. I think, the better way to get, acquire Kittle is potentially through a, a, a you know a salt trade. You know, uh, Kittle is another guy that I sent two second round picks for. Mm-hmm. I believe I sent a the two six and the late second round pick in this year's draft, and I got George Kittle. And you know, yeah. and that's perfectly fine with me. You know, but buying him. You know, Bob, you know, using some young players that somebody likes. But it just in dynasty startups is just where I tend to avoid these highly yeah. drafted tight ends, like mm-hmm. we were saying.
1: Last season I was able to get off a, a second an early second round pick in a twenty team league for George Kittle. And I was completely empty at the position. So yeah, last season it was great getting him and he was a hero for me down the stretch. He had seven touchdowns in four games, though. So, come on. Like that's that's a tough ask to repeat at any stretch of any season.
0: Yeah, and it's like I said, you know, and I've also talked about the scheduled 49ers being a little bit easier. You could see the 49ers getting out to early leads and kind of coasting on that a little bit, maybe using their younger players, Brandon Ayuk and players like that a bit more. Mm-hmm. Next up in these rankings, though, is David Njoku at the tight end seven spot. Set up for a potentially big season in Cleveland, Brad. He has the contract. it's You know, The offense is set up for him to be one of the leaders in the targets. You know, Some people might be mm-hmm. surprised. He's my tight end eight. Some people may be surprised to see him this high despite his lack of career production, but we look at, you know, he's one of those guys who can stand next to DK Metcalf and Saquon Barkley at the beach. You know what I mean? It feel absolutely fine. Very, very comfortable even, you know what I mean? He's an absolute freak of nature athlete. So, you know, why do we like uh, David Njoku so much this season?
1: Well, I think he's just going to have better production from last year with a full season of Deshaun Watson. And last year he finished at tight end 10. So I think that that's a nice base. Uh, with his uh, with his Cleveland Browns, I think that Watson in the offense is going to continue to flourish. You know, we saw some potential vacated targets for him with Kareem Hunt leaving. You know, there could be some less passing to the running back position and maybe you see a lower, uh, some more lower A dot targets for David Njoku. So I'm really excited about him. I think he's going to bring home, I don't know if I want to go to like double digit touchdowns or anything like that. They still have Nick Chubb. He's going to have a ton of priority in the red zone down there, but I just think he can continue to take a step forward. Ripe age of 26, great athletic build. I just think there's a lot to like about him.
0: He's one of those guys that I don't know if there's a player on this list that's riding on his quarterback more so than David Njoku because if Deshaun Watson is a top – if he can bounce back and be a top-five quarterback in fantasy in 2023, then David Njoku is going to smash where he's going at ADP. He's going to be a top-five tight end this year in fantasy football. So – you know, the sky's the limit, however, you know, he's kind of tied to Deshaun Watson's success. We're going to need, I think, to see Deshaun Watson regain some of that 2019 form that we saw.
1: Mm-hmm. And I also just think that the the wide receiver group, while it's getting better, I don't think it's overwhelmingly based with talent. We've seen Amari Cooper have injury issues. I like Elijah Moore in theory, but you know, Elijah Moore, Donovan Peoples-Jones, it still feels like it's kind of open after Amari Cooper, who could be the second top, you know, target receiver here.
0: Absolutely agreed. I think that could end up being David Njoku, even if Elijah Elijah Moore stays healthy. But next up in these rankings at eight is Evan Ingram coming off a fantastic season in 2022 as a top five tight end, finally paid off at that ADP. You know, I've been I was drafting Evan Ingram a long time and I've I was so burnt out on Evan Ingram, I never wanted to see him again. So I didn't get to enjoy the mm. uh the breakout season on too many of my diet. Dy- actually I did. I, I that's a lie. I had him as a leftover pick in a lot of dynasty leagues from like 20, 2019, 2020. he's impossible to move. So I did get to enjoy it a little bit, but he was somebody I was completely avoiding in drafts and ended up paying off really well, actually. You know, I remember maybe an underdog, I was, you know, I, I bought into the late summer hype a little bit and that ended up working out. Do you see? I guess the big question is: Do you see the target pecky? Do you see him getting the targets necessary to pay off at this ADP with the addition of Calvin Ridley? Where
1: Where do we have him at consensus? I have him at tight end nine.
0: And the consensus we have him at tight end uh, eight,
1: eight. Yeah. Okay, so tight end eight. So yeah, pretty pretty close for me. I'm buying in on what he can do for this this upcoming season. My only concern is if he doesn't stay with the jaguars long term that's 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 really it he's at 28 years old i could see him having a, a decent 2 to 3 year window if he stays with the jaguars but obviously with calvin ridley coming in you know they've added some depth at running back with tank bigsby jernis johnson i do think that they're going to try to run the ball a fair amount it feels like there could be a few less opportunities, but it's always good to buy in on a good offense, a team that you expect to be passing a lot and a team you expect expect to be scoring a lot. And I check those boxes both with the Jaguars. So I like the situation now. I don't necessarily know how to fall in love with it long-term because I don't know if he's going to be with the Jaguars long-term. However, it's always a very hungry position. And I think that if he does move on from the Jaguars, he probably will go to somewhere with a decent opportunity for exposure to high volume touches. So it's kind of a middle pick for me. I think that based off of what we've seen the past production, you know, in New York, even with the drops and then combined with what we saw last year, I feel like this ADP is pretty adequate. And this honestly is kind of where I'm starting to get involved with, uh, with tight ends here. You know, I, I, I like getting in, you know, like that eight to 12 range or sneaking somebody up the board or getting somebody at value that I feel is in this range that maybe others won't um like some guys that we're about to discuss i don't want to peep too many names here
0: <laughs> yeah you know we, it gets into some diving into some interesting talk here yeah and i always have my concerns about these the move the move tight end quote unquote is what they call them kind of those six foot two you know 235 to 245 pound tight ends you know who fits into that category evan ingram uh, chico Conquo, sam laporta You know, players like that, you know, it's just tough for them to get on the field all the time because they're not going to be factors as blockers. So it's a Mm -hmm. little bit tougher, but I can certainly see another great season for Evan Ingram as long as he's tied to this Jaguar offense. Next up is, you know, we actually both have Darren Waller considerably lower than tight end nine, but because Mm -hmm. we also have a lot of players you know, at the end here that we did both didn't include on our list, Darren Waller gets pushed up all the way to tight end nine, actually. Interesting. So, so yeah, that's interesting. We both have him as like tight end 11 and tight end 12, but we have both are like, you know, we flip flopped on some players and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that we both didn't have. So Darren Waller making it on both our lists jumps all the way up to tight end nine here. And I mean, this is, I mean, if this, if Travis Kelsey was win now, I mean, this is if you, this is the, he could have Um, a top five season or he could never, be fantasy relevant again. And you know, right. neither would <clears throat> actually surprise me.
1: <laughs> so I would say that Ingram, Kelsey, and Waller are probably the top three. Oh, and George Kittle, top top four like win now guys to draft. Like if you're gonna, if you want a win now roster, it's likely that one of those four tight ends are on your team. I have Waller at 12. And again, it's because he mixes in with that narrative of being able to win now and maybe he can give me you know, another season. He's 30 years old. He's been ridden with injuries all of his career. He's entering a situation with the the New York Giants where I just see that him potentially being the top target receiver here, like he could have the most targets on this roster come the end of the season. Darren, or Darren Waller should be getting a ton of looks for from Dan Jones excuse me and it's a very middled group of receivers you don't see anyone there that's just going to absolutely take off so I think it's a very good situation for the season I put him into the tight end one conversation because of that um I I feel like, you know, in a couple of months I could have him at 13 or 14 because someone could just be buzzing from training camp or you see an injury somewhere where now you're expecting somebody else to get get more touches because, again, the age is a huge factor, but with how volatile the position is, if you're needing that one guy to get you through this season and then maybe attack younger tight ends later in your draft, I I wouldn't hate that.
0: It's It's hard for me not to – I feel like he's going to pay off if he stays healthy. If he's playing out there seventeen games with the wide rece- the, with the That's wide receivers a, uh, that the New York Giants have, which is mm. tough ask, I know considering what he's yeah. done the last couple of years. Yeah. But you know, if he's out there for most of the games, 14, 15 games, I think he's certainly going to pay off at his price. That's just the concern. I, I, you know, it's well, hard to expect yeah. him to get a full compliment.
1: And we got to listen to what we're actually saying, right? We're saying like, oh yeah, he could be the top guy there. He could, he could have a ton of touches. Well, top guys with a lot of touches, they get hit a lot, you know. And yep. he's got he's got a, he's got to last through all of that. So. Again, I think he is someone that could potentially bring home <clears throat> great production for you this upcoming season, but we have to be trepidatious about his injury history and how to move forward with him. So, honestly, like I I would like getting him, letting him boom a few weeks and then <laughs> hit the market, buddy. Let's uh, let's go flip you for some picks.
0: You know, the ne- the next three guys actually up on this list, we each ha- one of us at least had higher than Darren Waller, but, uh, you know, like your next okay. guy, you had, uh, next up in these rankings is Greg Dulcich. You had him mm-hmm. all the way up at tight end seven. Now I'm just, I'll just tell, I'll let you c- counter me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit more hesitant. I have him sitting outside of top 12 territory, not, not very far outside of top 12 territory, but I'm just, you know, a new coaching staff is what I look at. You you have, I know Adam Trotman and Albert Aquag Boonham, didn't get it i didn't get it full i didn't put do enough emphasis i didn't uh, enunciate it well enough but both those guys are you know they have are talented you know could you see a new coaching staff trying to give these guys new life greg Mm -hmm. Dulcich, you know it's just tough for me to trust these tight ends you know i'm leaning on more historically because he did have some nice games with russell wilson down the stretch last year but this offense I feel like for Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton on the outside, obviously we're having to. Some things are going to have to go right. This Denver offense is going to have to turn around. He's going to have to have the same love by this new coaching staff. So, why mm-hmm. are you so confident in Greg Dulcich this season?
1: It appears that they love him. Uh, Sean Payton said oh, he the could. The Joker be, role. Yeah, like I don't. I don't know. Like, wh- why would you say that? You know, if you don't have <laughs> at least some interest in getting this guy the ball, like I, I know they were – always lie. Know, yeah, exactly. The Joker role, you know, is like your. Taysom Hills, your Alvin Kamara, your Reggie Bush. Obviously, Dolchich isn't those guys. So I do think that, yeah, there's some coach talk there, but I also just tend to believe that he's not going to be brushed aside for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that he's just going to be deprioritized. I like Cortland Sutton in theory. I love Jerry Judy. They were talking about moving Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton's constantly getting hurt. Tim Patrick is coming back from injury. I'm more worried about him maybe taking away a little bit of production. And they aren't very deep in uh, in their running room. You know, Javante Williams is going to be coming back from injury. I like Samaj P. Ryan, but I could see this team needing to lean on some very safe West Coast passing. And I think Greg Dolchich is going to benefit from that immensely
0: just uh, you know it's a historical argument for me i'm leaning against the tight end position i just hate the year-to-year volatility going from team to team to coaching staff to coaching staff it, it's it's just super tough so i have like i said i have him a bit lower mm-hmm. i certainly see the town and it would not surprise me at all you know he certainly has this talent to be a top six top seven tight end next this year wouldn't surprise me although it also wouldn't surprise me if we see 200 receiving yards so that, you know, that's just kind of the oh, range wow. of outcomes we look at. So they just, that,
1: like, they don't use the tight end at all. I mean, yeah, that's that's what happens. That's what happens, I, you know,
0: the 200-yard maybe. I'd three, have to three, go three, back. I,
1: I'd have to check in on that, like, how, if if and when the last time just Sean Payton completely abandoned uh, the tight end position.
0: I mean, who's, I mean, J- Jimmy Graham was a while ago, but I know he did have him for a long time, and I don't think he's really prioritized it since then.
1: But. T- Taysom Hill? <laughs> there's okay, some do, there's do some there's some other, him,
0: Do you want to call him a tight end? I mean, he, I I say he's I, probably I I don't a, get
1: to decide where they put he him had on like the depth four targets chart. But he season. is on the depth chart as a oh tight end. God. I don't he, I don't know he, what to tell you. He literally
0: had like less than he had it was ridiculous how it sh- he should not be called a tight end with how little he lined up at the tight end position. It's actually well, outrageous.
1: Then you need to man. go have a conversation with the NFL sleeper <laughs> Yahoo Sports because guess yeah, what, buddy? sleeper has him as he's a quarterback. He's a tight end. He's
0: a sleeper, sleeper has him as a quarterback.
1: I'm looking at sleeper right now. He's a tight what? end. I'm really? looking right. I'm looking right at it. I'm- he's a tight end.
0: What am I thinking of then? Who has him as a quarterback? Uh, that's Underdog insane. has
1: him as a tight end. Sleeper has him as a, as a tight end. The Saints still have him as a tight end. That's but guess insane. what? He's a tight end that lines up at running back. Receiver. Quarterback. Quarterback. Like yes, yeah. But he's a tight end. Like don't hate, don't don't argue with me about it. I didn't do it. All right. I didn't make it happen.
0: I'm hating the player, not the game. I know. I'll, I'll see uh I, I, that just bothers me so much when I see Taysom Hill. He should be listed at the quarterback on sleeper and on underdog. And, and he's a
1: quarterback who plays tight end, receiver, and running back. That's fine with
0: me. Next up, last up here, finishing these two. This is this is Mike. This is my show from here on out. Apparently, because I these are guys that I had significantly high, pretty high in my rankings actually, which drove them up here. But you did not include, so you can tell the people why I am too high on these rookies. But I like to take the home run swing. I like to especially with these tight ends, you know, look for something that we haven't seen yet because you never know what's going to, you never know if you're going to hit on that George Kittle or Mark, Mark Andrews. So I had Dalton Kincaid actually as my tight end seven in dynasty. And I know that seems very aggressive for some people, but like I said, we've seen Evan Ingram and we've seen David Njoku for years now, you know, are they, could they have fantastic 2023 seasons absolutely but are we going to see a string of 1000 yard seasons from these players probably not are we going to see a string of thousand one yard seasons from Dalton Kincaid probably not but I still think Dalton Kincaid has that in his range of outcomes just because like you said he is a first round talent we haven't seen it yet so I like the unknown factor and that you know that's what I'm selling with people on is what we haven't it's more what we haven't seen from him as opposed to what we, you know, or compared to what we have seen from these other tight ends. What are your thoughts?
1: I mean, again, you're prioritizing youth. Uh, That's not really a huge argument that I want to combat. I I like that. Um, I just feel like what you're potentially going to get from them, I can get from later tight ends. Like Jelani Woods is going completely free, like in comparison to these two. uh, Jelani Woods has competition with Molly Cox. Kincaid has Dawson Knox right like I think that there's a bit of a difference there um, obviously he's in a better offense you know with with the Bills rather than the Colts but this is just you know a quick example uh, there's a lot of guys that I feel like will have less competition in year one and still have just as good of potential three to four year windows I honestly would value Trey McBride pretty equal to Dalton Kincaid they're both going to be dueling opposing veteran tight ends but Trey McBride has a much better ADP and much lower ranking. So I'm going to be able to get him at a much lower cost. And I've seen him a little bit in the NFL, right? I've gotten a little bit of that taste. I've gotten a little bit of, you know, tape and and production from him in the NFL. So it feels like something I can trust. I feel like putting Kincaid and Mayer into this space. I'm exposing myself to a little bit more risk if I'm taking them as my first tight end drafted, which I cannot recommend. If you take one of these other guys ahead of them, then by all means, like and if if he winds if they wind up being the eleventh or twelfth tight end, then you're obviously going in on tight end a little bit more comfortably than I would be in my draft. But I won't hate it because you'll be maybe getting like a Kelsey and then backing it up with the youth value of a Kincaid or a Mayor. Maybe that's an approach you could do in um, point and a half tight end reception, right? Maybe maybe something like that I, I could get down with. But uh, without having anything, I feel like I'm you know getting myself in with a little bit more risk if they're my first tight end rostered
0: I just I yeah it's I just want to find that next Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski or Mark Andrews that you know and that's what I'm constantly searching for you know and sometimes we can always have the argument about ADP because of course a lot of the time these players do go too high in ADP you know Dalton Kincaid in the middle of the first round of a rookie mm-hmm. draft that's a little too pricey for me particularly in a super flex league but you know he falls into that back end of the first round Early second round, you know, there's a price point where it's palatable. Also, rookie tight ends start off notoriously slow to their career. So it would not surprise me if there's a buy low opportunity on Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer, who we're getting into right now as my tight end 12, who I had as my tight end nine. and You had not rated. So he slips in here because I had a ring so high. You know, the, it was a really big surprise to see him go behind Sam Laporta in the NFL draft. And I think maybe it's because, you know, looking at player profilers database of tight ends who they do a great job of like literally putting together a database of every single mm-hmm. tight end who's ever been at the NFL combine pretty much in the last how 20 years or something, even maybe even longer. And they rank them athletically over over many things, you know, e- even down to arm length and things like that. And Michael Mayer ranked among like 600 players ranked as the fourth Least athletic tight end of all time. You know, is that, is there any reason that might have factored into that maybe why he fell so far in drafts?
1: No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, he's to me, he looks like a, like a prototype tight end. Like, yeah, he may not have like that, like athletic frame, but he's a big body. He can block. He's sure handed. He checks just so many boxes for me. And I think that once he gets into an NFL weight room, he's going to definitely trim up a little bit. Like, he's he's going to build himself up. Um, I really don't have any, like, I don't have any issues taking Michael Mayer. I just don't like him at tight end 12. I think it's a little bit rich, as I kind of just discussed, the same points of Dalton Kincaid. But to me, it has nothing to do with his frame or what he, you know, what he can potentially do in the NFL from a negative standpoint. I, I, I think I see Mayer and I see nothing but good stuff. So uh, I think some of those things are, you know, Narratives, you know, that maybe some GMs may have bought into, but not me. Uh, I think he's going to be just fine. um We see a lot of these guys, even Marquise Brown, like he, on the opposite end. He came in incredibly undersized. Look at what he's doing now. He's fine. He's got potential now to be a wide receiver one on his roster with DeAndre Hopkins leaving. There's opportunities for him. So, conversely, maybe Mayor looks a little bit chunky to some folks. I think he's going to trim out. I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, he's gonna only—he's not gonna get nothing but stronger, uh, and I think his skill set's gonna continue to expand as he, you know, gets on an NFL roster. Here, I just don't love the situation year one. That's the big reason why I have him outside of my top twelve. Uh, it's hard for me to trust in that offense that I think is going to be focused heavily around Josh Jacobs and Devonte Adams. Still,
0: it's—it's it's really you look at the, that production in college is what really you know makes Michael Mayer attractive you see eight over 800 yards receiving you know like two mm-hmm. two straight seasons over 30% target share last year it's you never see tight ends used that much like you know his like dominator rating is insane which kind of factors in all of his usage and you, the only time you ever see that from a tight end is when they come from like a, a division 2 school texas texas tech Univ- you know university of S- southern methodist you know what i mean somewhere mm-hmm. somewhere around there so it's very you know i i like michael maryland Merrill- and the question i wanted to ask you though so for the players that you might and i was trying to pull up your uh rankings here you know i know you have chica uh in the top and, 12 people.
1: and uh schultz dalton schultz
0: and dalton schultz you know somebody even like chica who had you know what what did he have? how many receiving yards did he have last year maybe 200 Somewhere around no, there. He, okay. had,
1: he had he had more than that. He had a very good, strong to the to last season. He had four hundred and
0: fifty. Oh, four hundred fifty, way more than I thought. Okay, so mm-hmm. four hundred fifty. Even so, Michael Mayer is is that what it's going to maybe take for you to just have you know next year? You know, uh, if you see you know a couple flashes, maybe like we saw Chig last year, you see some big flashes. You know, just a couple games here and there. Mm-hmm. Is you know, is that all it would take for you to have these guys right up there in these top twelve next year? You know, if we're sitting here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, the typical MO is that rookie tight ends really don't do much. Kyle Pitts was the exception to the rule here. So buying in at Chig coming into his sophomore season, having that acclamation to the league, you know, getting that NFL strength, kind of how I was comparing to, to Michael Mayer. Yeah, I think it's a much better situation. And also just like Chig now, you know, versus Michael Mayer, he's just in a better situation who's supposed to catch the ball in Tennessee, right? Like, and he's a second-year player. He's taking a step forward and had a strong finish to last season, Uh, and that's why I have him hiked up so much. Um, Didn't really boom at any point. He wound up having, you know, three total touchdowns, finished his tight end 25. Uh, I like the opportunity. I like his athleticism. I think he's going to be a part of what they're doing this year. Uh, They did not invest in the tight end position whatsoever. It seems like he's going to be clear in a way the, the starter for them.
0: My my big concern is he's one of those move tight ends I was talking about earlier. I don't like the six foot two to three to 238 to 200, you know, you see, depending on where he's listed 238 mm-hmm. to 245 pounds. Mm-hmm. That is very small. You could see some, you know, some work, you know, if he's getting a lot of work, you know, we were talking about, that's a lot of tackles for a small body, not going to be asked to be used as a blocker really either. So that's why Jake um, fell out of my top 12, but he, like he's not very far behind either. And uh, Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid a lot bigger bodied guys so we'll wrap up here you know is there any is there any big omission you know why why didn't uh why big hate on Pratt Fryermuth? I'm actually down on Pat Fryermuth too according to ADP Mm -hmm. I have a tight tight end 10. how why did you leave him completely off your list
1: I just like I like Dalton Shelton Akonquo a little bit more and I do see there being some potential for Fryermuth with the vacated targets of Chase Claypool But I feel like that team is going to run the ball a lot. They had a lot of success when running the ball, and we saw that little bit of a dip from Friar Muth's uh, rookie season to his sophomore season with the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger. When the offense was very trigger happy, Friar was excellent. But it doesn't feel like that uh, that scheme is coming back. It feels like they're going to put the ball on the ground, and then when they're not, they have two very reliable receivers in Deontay Johnson. And George Pickens, it just feels like he's a little bit lower in the pecking order. I would have him right at thirteen.
0: And I, yeah, I mean, I can't fault you there. The upside, I just don't think is there. And you know, he's not a great athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just he's a he's a volume play in an offense where he might not get volume with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris, maybe getting a few more targets Mm -hmm. this year too. So.
1: The other omission was Dalton Schultz, and I feel like there is very high potential that he is at minimum second in the team in targets this upcoming season.
0: I, I was I was trying to avoid talking about him because I think he's such a mediocre uh, player. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I I, I, Ouch. I just don't I just don't think he brings much to the table. I just think Dak Prescott loved him, and we'll see. I mean, if if he if it would take John Mechie. And Nico Collins being very inadequate, I think, to for Dalton Schultz to be the you well, know the top target in this offense I, I
1: think that Nico Collins is adequate based on his his size and his frame and what he can provide, but I don't see there being some elite competition behind him. John Mechie is still a year removed from playing. You have Robert Woods, Xavier Hutchinson, Tank Dell. It's a very middled group. And this is someone that they also went out and paid for ripe age of 26. 6'5", a little bit of a bigger size, but we know what he is. He's a receiving tight end. He's not going to be blocking. He's going to line up as a as a slot tight end. Uh, last season, he had 89 targets, 104 the year before. They went out and paid him. I just have to imagine that they did so because he's going to be involved in aiding and guiding a young QB in uh, CJ Stroud. I, I feel like there's a lot to like about his situation this year.
0: Like they hardly paid him. What was, that con- what was the details on that
1: contract? Hold on.
0: I remember thinking pull, else, you can pull
1: it up, but it could, you know, going out and paying for somebody is, is a much different than drafting.
0: Yeah, he signed a four-year, $3 million, That can't be right. And there's no way that's accurate. If that's actually accurate, then the NFL thinks he is terrible. You, no, there's no way I'm reading that a four-year, th- $3 million contract. That can't be right.
1: No. Oh, my God. He's, right.
0: His salary is $1,500,000. Justin, the NFL thinks this guy sucks. They literally are telling you this guy is a bad football player. A million. He's making a little over a million dollars this year. The NFL thinks this guy sucks.
1: Well, then he really <laughs> must like that spot. Because <laughs> like, why would he
0: that's crazy? You know what I mean? Is I remember that... thinking it was low. I didn't think it was that low. I remember no, I remember looking at the contract being like, wow, that's that's ridiculous low. I didn't think it was that low.
1: I didn't have the number even remotely in my head, but I just knew that he had signed with them. And the, you know, the when NFL you sign in the off awesome. season, you're supposed to make money, man.
0: <laughs> Poor guy. But well, we could do Poor a whole other show about. <laughs> anyway, well, I, I just want to tell Justin. It says his double, market. Re-
1: it says his market value is four years, sixty million.
0: What the he hell? signed for a million dollars. Oh my God, that's horrible. He
1: really must like Texas. I guess like the taxes there. Yeah, are he's just not so... getting taxed
0: on that million dollars. Thank God. He's going to he yeah. keep all that money. He can... <laughs> um, we'll See, wrap this it says
1: up, this says one year six. What? We'll have to come back. We'll have to come back. We'll have to that. double
0: check that. But anyway, either way, yeah. he's not making a lot of money, no matter what. But we'll double check those numbers. But it's your double. It's your double down play of the day. Anyway, you know, I was going to say say it to the people, but you you know me. You're the bigger betting man. What is the edge, boost, double down play of the day, Justin?
1: Uh, Deontay Johnson, over 825 receiving yards. He has hit it in three straight seasons. The market is absolutely bonkers on this guy. Uh, He's also had 144 plus targets in three straight seasons. Uh, The disrespect just continues, whether it's, um, ADP, whether it's sleeper or underdog, just burying them down the list or these sports books that are just like completely written off the passing game for the Steelers. I have to imagine Kenny Pickett gets better in year two. Um, I also took Kenny Pickett over 3150 uh, passing yards this year. He only needs to add three yards per game and play in every game uh, to hit that. So very low thresholds for some you know, easily hanging fruit in the NFL right now.
0: I like it. I love Deontay Johnson, especially in those underdog drafts. What, what are we working on on SGPN this week, my friend?
1: Uh, everything and everything. we got uh, the IDP. We've got Dynasty. We've got Best Ball. Uh, me and Andrew will be back on the bikes for our last two cardio drafts this Thursday and Tuesday. So be sure to check in for that. I took more of a casual bike ride on this last one. We were not as competitive, but I was still smashing some uh, some Belgian white, some shock top. So, uh, you know, I'll be back in the, on my boomer bike, you know, smashing some beers, you know, doing some cardio,
0: there's, there's, there's some
1: best ball teams,
0: bikes, beer, and football. That's too much. That's too much for my brain right there. I could, I can't do all that.
1: Well, you gotta, you gotta get yourself a galaxy brain, man. Go get you one Amazon. They'll ship it to you for free.
0: Apparently I need to start taking these pills that, that make your brain smarter. Apparently, you know, the, uh, what, what was that? The, what was that show?
1: Alpha brain, baby. Get yourself some alpha brain.
0: Is, is that, is that like the light version of what Bradley Cooper was taking in that one movie when he was oh, limitless? Yeah, that's li- yeah. This Wall is Street the light success? version for
1: sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but alpha brain is what Joe Rogan pushes. I've, I've tried it. It's excellent. Definitely. Definitely get after it.
0: All right. I've seen the same people talk about it. So, all right, with that, we'll end it up everybody. Thank you so much for joining us and have a great rest of your Sunday. Thanks so much.
1: We'll see you.